The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. As we get started here, um, does anybody here have, have anything that they're concerned with, worried about, something that's a problem for them? Anybody? Get a show of hands. Anybody got something that they're concerned about? Okay. Well, today... We want you to be encouraged, and that's what uh, our, our goal is. In uh, John 16, Jesus said, I've said to you this thing, these things, that in me you may have peace, because in the world you will have tribulation, suffering. But then Jesus says, but take heart, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. So this morning, that's what we'll look at as we uh, look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So let's pray. And certainly, um, I'd like to pray again for our brothers and sisters in Christ in uh, Ukraine. I'll step back a little bit here. Um, you know, we're, we have things that concern us that might, you know, that we think are the whole world. But right now, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, um, they're praying for their lives and their nation, and their families. So let's pray for them, and then uh, let's dig into Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Pray with me, would you please? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign over all things. Lord Jesus, you command all flesh. You are in charge. You are the captain of the Lord's armies. We don't, know, we don't have to ask you, are you on the Ukrainian side? Are you on the Russian side? Are you on our side, their side, we versus they? Jesus, you are over all. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning, and we ask that uh, you show us what it means to be in you, to, to live a life that's totally sold out for you, to follow you, to look to you in all things. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, for all the things that we personally are concerned about in our nation and in our families, in our jobs, Lord, we pray for your encouragement today. Help us to take heart because we can have peace in you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. All right, well, we're continuing our series in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and uh, we're focusing on Christ's heart for us and um, how to success, successfully run this race that we're in. Uh, and uh, even though there is difficulty, nobody has to tell us today that there's difficulty in this world, and we all face difficulties. Uh, we face trials, we face oppositions. We face our own temptations. We face our own mistakes, and we suffer because of those. So how do we as true believers in Christ keep following him for a lifetime to run this race with endurance despite the difficulty? Well, um, my hope for you today is that you will be encouraged. So we'll all walk out of here encouraged in Christ as followers of Christ, not just fans of Christ, but followers of Christ who go all in to trust and follow Jesus. And uh, how do we first uh, follow Christ despite the difficulties? Well, there are three things I'd like for us to unpack together this morning. Uh, we want to see that, uh, uh, and that there is a race. We are all in, we are all in the, ra the race. If you're a follower of Christ, you've hopped off the curb, you are in the race, and you are running towards the prize. We also want to look at the way to run. How do we run this race with endurance? How do we do that? And finally, the the way to stay encouraged is I want us to see how we can keep looking to Jesus because he is worth it and he is worthy 
We were singing about that earlier. So let's first remember there is a race. And what does it mean that we're in a race? Our lives have a goal. Our lives aren't meaningless. There's purpose to it. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ and born again, at that moment, our race begins. And we have heaven to look forward to. And uh, as uh, uh, Kelsey was praying this morning from Psalm 27, you know, Lord, make our paths straight because of our foes. And we, have, we are on this race, and we need to keep our eye on him so we can run. And with the objective being heaven. Uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 15 and 16, where it said, If they, the Jews who were coming out of Egypt, had been thinking about that land from which they had gone out, Egypt, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared, prepared for them a city. So we're headed towards heaven. We have a glorious future ahead of us. And uh, we're not just pardoned from our sin. We have a goal. We're going to inherit Christ. We're going to inherit this wonderful, this wonderful um, uh, eternity in heaven. And as I'm getting older in Christ, one of the things I'm looking forward to about heaven, I don't know about you, is, yeah, okay, there's going to be a wedding feast. That's going to be great. Be in Jesus' presence. Oh, wow, that's just the best. And going along with that is being sin-free. Think about that. Our goal is one day we are going to be sin-free. Right now, because of our faith in Christ, positionally, because of his propitiatory uh, sacrifice on our place, we are now po positionally removed from the penalty of sin. Great. We're removed from the penalty of sin, and we're also removed from the power of sin. We don't have to let sin control our lives. We can choose to do right. We can choose to follow Christ. But one day, one of these days, when Jesus comes back, takes us all to heaven, we're going to have the opportunity to know what it's like to be sin-free, to not be battling sin every single moment of every single day. It's a battle. That's part of the suffering, isn't it, um, that we can go through. And so that's one of the things I'm looking forward to is when we get to heaven is no more bad thoughts, no more any of the ick that we have to live in and around us right now as we're running this race for Christ. So the best thing to know is that we're running this race, and to finish it is the win, to finish well, to keep following Christ, keep our eyes fixed on him, until we take our last breath this side of heaven. So now that we know that there's a race, how do we run with endurance despite the difficulties? Well, um, as we looked at Hebrews uh, 11, 12, verse 1, it talks about this great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 11, what a treasure trove of all the people who have gone before us, people who know firsthand what it's like to say, God, you're so worth it. God, you're worthy. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you because there is nothing better than you. And through Hebrews 11, uh, we see all the, these people who, by their faith, faith, trusted God and followed him and because they were looking forward to a better country. And they uh, were looking forward to it. They were looking forward to it, but they didn't have something that we have. We have Jesus. They didn't have Jesus, but they were still faithful and they suffered persecution and tribulation along the way. And so the writer of Hebrews here in uh, uh, verse 1 of uh, chapter 12 says, look at these guys. Look at these people. 
Um, they're commended for their faith. The writer starts off just letting us know that, that all these heroes of the faith who trusted God, um, they believed him, and uh, the mostly they lived with this idea that, uh, first of all, God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who uh, follow him. And uh, so the faith that they had is what sustained them and pulled them through as they trusted God, their faith in God. And so suffering for following Jesus, for us today, really, uh, the writer of Hebrews wants to know it's nothing new. It's real. It's hard, but it's nothing new. And God sees us through our suffering. So um, be encouraged today. Uh, look at what the people of he, uh, that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, what they went through, what they endured. Some pretty rough stuff. And I'm so thankful for the messages that, uh, that we've heard on Hebrews 11 from uh, Matt and Habib. And I encourage you to go check the website. Go check out those messages again. Because we could see in those messages what faith does. What faith does for in, even in spite of trials and tribulation. And of course, we suffer today. Today we are um, thinking about Christians around the world who are suffering persecution for trusting Christ. Um, we certainly do suffer from the uh, sinful actions of others. Uh, thinking of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, uh, they've been praying for peace. I don't know if you saw the imagery uh, of the uh, Russian brothers and sisters, excuse me, Ukrainian brothers and sisters out there on their knees in the snow praying for their country. And um, they're seriously facing um, opposition. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but... Um, uh, Christ, uh, Ukraine is the third largest Orthodox nation in the world. Eight out of ten Ukrainian adults identify themselves as being Orthodox Christians. Uh, this week, one, uh, a pastor who is serving in Ukraine, uh, Vasil Ostryi, sorry Vasil, I apologize, I mispronounced your name if I ever catch up with you in the future. But... Um, he uh, wrote this this week uh, in the journal for the uh, Gospel Coalition. He said, We believe the church is a place of spiritual struggle. As tensions have risen, our church announced a week of fasting and prayer, gathering every night to bring our request to God. For three days in a row, the lights were turned off in the city. We were forced to meet in the dark, adding a solemn atmosphere to our prayers for peace. Um, at the end of the week, those moments produced in us an inner strength to persevere. Through communal prayer, we've gained confidence and peace. We believe God is with us, and that is the most important thing. This pastor also writes, the reason why he's staying in Ukraine right now is he feels that if the church is not relevant in a time of crisis, then it is not relevant in a time of peace. Mm. So let's keep praying for them. Uh, this, uh, this pastor at his church uh, they've been training everybody how to do basic first aid. Um, I know some uh, members of the Ukrainian government said, hey, if you're, you can pick up a rifle, do so. But this church, they're learning how to make tourniquets, how to bandage wounds and things like that and provide healing. So, yeah, they are suffering right now, but they're taking action in faith. They're praying, seeking God, doing what they can do in the face of suffering. Um, of course, we here in America, we, we suffer Somewhat, but uh, in light of this week's events, does our suffering seem so tough? If I call you by the wrong personal pronoun, should I live in fear that you will act out against me because I didn't get your pronoun right? Is that a real issue? <laughs> um, 
And of course, we suffer physical pain and setbacks in life that try to separate us from God. And um, so I encourage you, while we look to those who suffered in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, consider the lives of these ordinary people who were persecuted and tempted to quit, but they trusted God. They kept their faith in him um, because Jesus, they knew, was better than anything else. They didn't fall away. They endured by trusting God. So in light of how we're looking at some people running their race uh, halfway around the world, how are you doing running your race today? Uh, Because we're definitely in one. And our text gives us three commands for running this race, three commands that will help us endure. Uh, And the uh, writer of Hebrews lets us know we need to lay aside every weight, lay aside every sin which clings so closely, and then run the race with endurance. Now, laying aside every weight, uh, run the race with endurance. Um, What are the weights that we need to lay aside? Well, weights can be anything that distract us from Jesus, from being the center of our lives. Make Jesus the center of your life and follow him according to his word. And now the distraction that could pull you away again is that anything that will take your focus off of him. Now that can be good things that we love too much. That can pull our eyes off of Christ. Also hard times, suffering physically, financially, um, suffering in our relationships. Any number of things can be a weight that will pull our attention off of Jesus. Um, and, that, and this is just part of our human existence as followers of Christ. In Romans 8, chapter 17, Paul gives us some uh, encouragement. He writes in Romans 8, 17, We are children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We want to make sure that when we suffer, we suffer with him in suffering Keep your eyes on Jesus. We, when we suffer, we're not alone. Jesus said famously at the end of Matthew 28, Lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. He is with us. And so we can be reminded that um, even through hard times and we're going through them, we can go keep our eyes on him and he is with us. We can have that comfort that he is with him. And so the, uh, that weight can be cast off. And we also look to him uh, and know that he are, his deep desire is for you and me today is to give him that weight. Give him that weight. Now, uh, this uh, portion of Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1, kind of reads like the inverse of uh, Luke 11, verse 4, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, where it says, you know, talk about lay aside every weight and then cast off the sin that clings so closely. You know, Luke 11, 4, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, uh, teaches us to pray um, and forgive us, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us or those who have sinned against us. Now, some of the burdens that we can carry on ourselves, do you think maybe unforgiveness might be a weight that we can carry? Uh, when we don't forgive others, we carry that weight uh, of the wrong done to us long after the infraction. So, um, I encourage us, if you're carrying the weight of unforgiveness, try to forgive. You don't have to trust ourselves to people who have hurt us. We can trust ourselves to Christ. But we can remove the weight uh, of 
uh, of their sin against us by forgiving them. And what really, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? See if you can see God's heart towards us as uh, we look at this thing, as uh, um, whether or not people truly repent of the wrong done to us or not, if they have, whether or not they've asked for repentance, if we will forgive them. Well, let's look at these, these three promises that really entail what forgiveness is. No matter what they want, no matter what they said. <laughs> and uh, see again how Christ speaks to us through these ideas about giving people real forgiveness. Promise number one. I am not going to use this wrong that you've done me against you ever again. I'm not going to use this against you ever again. Promise number two for forgiveness. I'm not going to talk to anybody else about this to harm you. I'm not going to talk to anybody else about this to harm you. The third promise in forgiveness is I am not going to keep dwelling on this in my own mind. That's the third promise of forgiveness. And doesn't God make that promise? He forgives us our sins and he forgets our sins. And so we can follow Christ and his example by throwing off the weight of unforgiveness by learning how to forgive. If you forgive that sin that someone's hurt you with, would that remove a weight today from your heart? Would that? Forgive them because God and Jesus Christ has forgiven us. That's neat. So we're encouraged to lay aside the weight, looking to Jesus, laying aside the sin that entangles. Um, getting back to that inverse part of uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, and forgive us our sins. Um, as we mentioned before, when we trust in Christ, we're forgiven our sins because Christ has paid for them completely on the cross. The burden of facing judgment for our sins has been lifted and taken away forever. We're now also free from the power of sin. And we have a new life in Christ because of him. So um, I was thinking about this, and what does it mean to have that burden lifted from us, to seek Christ for the forgiveness of our sins? I encourage you, if you've got a Bible there, turn with me real quick to uh, Psalm 32. Psalm 32, just the first verses in there. This, kind of, this is what it lives, feels like to be lifted so we can live with and understand the burden of our sin being lifted through forgiveness in Christ. Psalm 32. Thanks for going, taking an audible with me here. Psalm 32 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, lifted. The burden is lifted, whose sin is covered. What covers our sin? The blood of Jesus Christ pays for our sin, doesn't it? Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. And then the writer of the psalm, I think it's David, writes, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. The weight of our sin weighs on us. But then here is how the burden of sin gets lifted. Check out verse 5 here. I acknowledged my sin to you. I confessed my sin. And I did not cover my iniquity. I was honest before God with my sin. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The penalty and the weight 
of sin is lifted. As the writer of the psalm said, I acknowledge my sin to you, talking, he's talking to the Lord, and I did not cover my iniquity. I didn't make excuses for it. I confessed my sin to God completely, and I was honest before him. And so as a matter of course, the writer of the psalm says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgive the iniquity of my sin. Isn't that wonderful, that promise in 1 John 1, 9? It says, if we, are, if we will confess our sins to Christ, he is faithful and just to forgive them. We can have that weight lifted. We can have it lifted this afternoon. We can have it lifted every morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even on Sunday too. We can live with that, the weight of our sins lifted so we can run for Christ. Why is that a problem? Well, sin derails us, doesn't it? As we're trying to run and follow Christ in this race, um, you know, shame and guilt can, can pull us off track and we get off in the weeds and the mud and we don't look to Christ, we're not looking to him, but if we will remember to come back to Christ as our, uh, so that we can follow him, trust him, see him as our leader. He is worthy, he is worth it, and we can come back to him and follow him so we can run this race without these heavy burdens. So this is how we build endurance. This is how we learn, we grow. We're confessing, repenting all through our lives, giving these burdens that, we, that come upon us in life, and we give them over to Christ. We can run this race with endurance because we don't have to have the weight of guilt and shame on our shoulders anymore because Christ's heart for us is to forgive us and love us. So let us lay aside every weight and lay aside the sin and run this race with endurance, but there's one more command that these things depend on. And what's the main command, it's looking to Jesus. We can run the race with endurance despite the difficulty by looking to Jesus. Again, as we sang this morning, he is worthy and he is worth it. Well, what do we need to see to uh, keep our eyes focused on Christ as we do this? Well, there, there are five things about Jesus I invite us to consider from our passage this morning. One, he is the founder of our faith. Secondly, he is the perfecter of our faith. He endured the cross. He despised the, the shame for the joy set before him, and he rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. First of all, he is the founder of our faith. Uh, he is the author, if you will, of our faith. What do authors do? Uh, they create storylines. They create characters. They create um, the plot, and they also write the ending. And Jesus has done all of that. He created each one of us. He has prepared good works for us to do. He has our life all, well, he knows it. Uh, we're not, uh, I don't want to get into the deep weeds of uh, you know, foreknowledge and everything God knows, but uh, about uh, decisions we'll make and that kind of thing. But uh, just know that uh, Jesus is well acquainted with the plot of your life story from start to finish, and he's got a great and glorious finish for you. Keeping, keep hanging in there. Um, and uh, getting back to the idea of authors. Authors write the stories. And, uh, of course, the best stories, the character goes through character development. They grow, they learn. Also, uh, as an author, Jesus wrote your faith in. Jesus not only thought you up, created you before time even began. He wrote your salvation story, your eternal life in him. He has given you the faith to trust in him and the faith to follow him in this race that you're now running. Um, nobody else but Jesus can do this or has done this, 
And uh, great news is your story is eternal. This, uh, this story that Jesus is writing in your life right now is uh, eternal. It's not an accident. You are in him, and he is eternal. And if you trust in him and you are his, uh, you are eternal. Uh, this uh, momentary light affliction that we go through now is just part of the beginning of your life story. So hang in there. We've got a great future ahead of us. So we see that Jesus is the founder of our faith. He's also the perfecter of our faith. And uh, so he created our faith, and he is the perfect example and the one who completes our faith. Um, he lived the perfect life for us and our example. He, uh, uh, he did everything perfectly uh, that pleased the Father. He overcame the temptations of Satan. Hebrews 4.15 says, uh, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He gets us. But one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet without sin. He lived a life of total humble submission and obedience to God the Father, 100% holy and righteous. Jesus showed us the way how to do it, how to live for him, and he made the way for us to God the Father. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me, as he said in John 14, 6. And it's exciting because uh, where Jesus is going, has gone, he's going to take us with him. He's going to get us all the way to glorified. He's promised us. And Jesus' heart is to see us all the way through this race that we're now running. Uh, in Hebrews 6.19, uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, said, We have this as a pure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. He is our anchor, which means we're tied to him. Uh, he has gone into the inner place. He lived the perfect life. He died. He rose again. He is God the Son. And God told the whole world that uh, his sacrifice was approved by his resurrection. And then he ascended into heaven. And he right now is sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And because he has gone there and we are tied to him, where he has gone, we're going to go to. Jude chapter 1, 24 gives us this promise that uh, on this race, uh, Jesus is going to see us through to completion. He says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Jesus, great joy is to help us along in this race and he will present you and I perfect and blameless to God the Father and live in his eternal presence. Yes, uh, this race does have a point, as we mentioned and is definitely going somewhere. And the third thing we need to see about Jesus to help us with our own endurance is that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Well, we've already talked about what Jesus did for us on the cross. The wrath of God the Father was poured out on him. He endured our hell, he drank our cup, and he went there on purpose. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But this was the only way. And this was awful. It was bad. And he went on purpose. But he endured uh, the pain and the suffering of the cross for the joy set before him. The joy set before him. And what was this joy? It was winning his people the joy of his heart was and is set on winning 
his people back from death and the grave and separation from God the Father. He was there looking forward to Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 and 12. Okay, another scripture chase. If you turn to Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, this, folks, is what one of the joys that Christ had that was set before him. Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. Turn there real quickly. And what this portion is really is kind of uh, our family portrait, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is us in heaven, all right? Uh, Chapter 6, 9 through 12, where it says, And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. Oh, did I pick the right one? Oh, it's seven. Seven. Okay, seven. (laughs) So it's chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. A typo. What a week this has been. Okay, sorry, chapter 7. Okay, all right, we'll refund your money for that mistake. Okay, all right. It's, you know, um, yeah, see the waiter at the back. Oh, I don't see anybody back there. No, just kidding. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. Uh, this is what Jesus was looking forward to. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, which means they've been purified, forgiven, with palm branches in their hands, palm branches signaling victory. People had won. They carry palm branches. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing there around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. The faithful, the faithful, those for whom Christ died, looking forward, this is us. This is us standing in heaven. And that's the joy of Jesus' heart, is to restore you, to restore me, to forgive us when we make a mistake, to restore us, to ask for forgiveness, come clean about our sin and receive that forgiveness. Be set free from the burden. That was his joy. Um, Dane Ortland, um, who we'll be looking at in our fun book club coming up, he put it this way in his book. He wrote, it was the joyous anticipation of seeing his people made invincibly clean that sent him through his arrest, death, burial, and resurrection. When we today partake of that atoning work, coming to Christ for forgiveness, communing with him despite our sinfulness, we are laying hold of Christ's own deepest longing and joy. Jesus told us that there is such joy in heaven over one sinner repenting. And he also said that his joy overlaps with our joy when his people abide in his love. So Jesus' joy is to give you and me strength from his love. And uh, what qualifies us to come to him? Knowing that we're sinners, being honest about it, in need of undeserved love. And Jesus not only wants to forgive us, he wants us. He wants us. Jesus expressed his own deep desire in John 17, 24, when he prayed, Father, 
I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me. Friends, to endure, to run this race well, with the burdens off of us, we need to look to Jesus. And the one thing we need to see is his joy in saving us. That joy motivated him to endure that cross. So we're learning to fix our eyes on Jesus uh, as the author of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. And the fourth thing is he despised the shame. Yes, the cross was a shameful death. What the world tried to do in that 24-hour period to the greatest one who lives. They tried to, the world, the devil tried to shame Jesus. But it didn't. He despised the shame. This is all you got. Jesus was not, he hung there on the cross for us. It was uh, awful. He bore a, uh, uh, just absolute travesty of the legal system at that time in Jerusalem. Uh, it was just an awful trial. He bore a shameful mocking, a shameful beating. He wore a shameful crown. He wore a shameful robe. He did it all, but he did it because he was there to get us back. He did it to get us back. So, for, you know, for some, you know, we'll do just about anything for Jesus except endure shame or embarrassment. I'm guilty of that. Um, Jesus wasn't ashamed of us. And so we don't need to be ashamed of him, do we, really? So he despised the shame for the joy set before him of saving you and me and seeing us cleansed of our sin and making us right with God the Father, enjoying fellowship with him and his Father and uh, filling us with the Holy Spirit. And the fifth thing we need to see about Jesus is, of course, he rose and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He rose and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, what does that resurrection and that ascension tell us? Well, first of all, that his sacrifice was accepted by God. That's it. For all time and eternity, those who believe in Christ, justified, forgiven, heaven-bound, his. And also that... Uh, Jesus' sacrifice, he was completely vindicated, he was glorified, and then he rose up into heaven, and today is seated at the right hand of God the Father. A lot of times we wonder, well, wouldn't it be great to see Jesus now? Well, yeah, that'd be great, but you've got to understand what he's doing for you right now. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father, talking to the Father about you and me at this very moment, nonstop, nonstop. And so Jesus is worthy of our focus and our attention. And remember that uh, what he's doing for us right now, and remember, always remember, he won. Because he won, we win. Be encouraged today, Christian, whatever you're going through, because if he rose, we rise. Pastor Matt last week was uh, illustrating the fact that, hey, if you're going to kill me for Christ... No big deal. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to rise again. He rose, we rise. Jesus ran this course that we're looking at, that is set before us. He laid out the course. 
He understands what our competition is, what can draw us from to the right to the left, what can pull us off course. And today he gives us the guidance and the strength to run that course. He shows us how to handle the competition and the obstacles because he won, he will make sure that you and I win as well. And where he goes, we go. We need to keep looking to Jesus. We need to look to him and him alone. That's how we're going to endure. And uh, so we need to see that he's the founder of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. He despised the shame. He rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, how often should we look to Jesus? An hour and a half on Sunday morning? I need it every single day. Keep the eyes of our hearts. Let's keep them focused on Christ. Pray. Talk to him just like you'd talk to anybody else. Read your Bible. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, Friend, I, I, I need you to read your Bible because I need biblical counsel in my life. I need you to speak biblical truth to me. So if you've never thought of yourself as a biblical counselor, well, child of God, you are now certified as a biblical counselor, and so I need you. Keep reading the Bible so that you can put the treasures of God's Word in your heart. Keep focusing on Christ. Um, Love one another. Come out, um, give of your time, and I just want to commend all of you in well-doing because you do that, and so just keep it up. Keep loving one another. And um, just want to remind you that um, biblical love, when we love one another, is another way to look at is doing for someone else whatever they need, whatever the cost, because God commands it and it pleases him. Remember what Jesus said in the two great commandments, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you shall love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not about feelings. It's about doing. Keep doing. Keep doing because it pleases God, pleases him. And so as we run this race, despite the difficulty, let's keep looking to Christ. Let's keep looking to Jesus and run this race together that is set before us. So don't miss out on Christian fellowship. Uh, don't miss out on spending time in prayer, reading the Bible, being with one another, supporting one another, encouraging one another, and keep remembering that whatever the difficulty that's in front of us, on a local scale, national scale, or international scale, Jesus is the one who's ultimately in control, and he's setting the course. He ran it first, he ran it best, and he finished it for us, and he's leading us. He is leading us on that course today. Remember, where he goes, we go. We're headed for heaven. We've got a glorious future ahead of us. It's worth it. Hang in there. Hang in there with Christ. So let's, let's stay in the race. Let's run the race with endurance. Let's keep our faith in Christ. Trust in him and follow him according to his word, despite the difficulty. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We don't know all the amazing things that uh, your death on the cross accomplished, but we know some important things. That Jesus, you died for us in our place. You paid our price. And through faith in you, Lord Jesus, we can walk with you. We can know you. We can have total forgiveness of sins. We can 
live in your forgiveness. We can cast off the weights that burden us. We can cast off the sin that hangs so closely. We have the power now because we're walking and running with you and we can confess them to you and be forgiven of them and we can have that lifted. And Lord Jesus, you are so worthy. You are so worth it. Whatever trial or suffering that is before us, that uh, we can we count it all joy because we know that you are perfecting us as you bring us along as we follow you in this race. Lord, I pray for us this week as we go from here that uh, we would walk in new life, walk in your grace, feeling that lightness of having our sins forgiven in Jesus Christ. May that be a lift to our hearts and our souls and our minds this week. Lord, we ask that uh, you would be with, again, our brothers and sisters uh, in the Ukraine. Lord, thank you that you are at work there. Lord, may this be a great testimony to your power, your grace, and your love in Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.fountainoflifefellowship.com.